Welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. This is Paul. We'll be joined by John. Pete is working again tonight. He is a football extraordinaire. We're going to talk a bit of AFL, a bit of NRL, a bit of everything, a bit of Cam Smith and the golf. Why have we gone on Britney Spears? Well, wait for the AFL section. I'm a Richmond supporter. You might kind of uh, get where I'm coming from there. This is, was, and always will be the Love Sport Podcast. Welcome yep. back to the Love Sport Podcast. It's Paul and John. And um, I must say that we are missing our comrade-in-arms, Pete, busily working in the football world and one of the best football minds we know. Welcome, welcome, John. Yeah, g'day, uh, Paul, and uh, thank you very much for inviting me on. Well, mate, you are the co-host, so uh, it is going to happen. Mate, look, we're going to – I'll tell you what we're going to do tonight, mate. We're going to look at some AFL, obviously, NRL, the World Game, British Open, and anything else that comes up in between, mate. So we will start off with the AFL. and. It's a weird, weird season because teams are up and down like yo-yos. But what I wanted to uh, ask you tonight, mate, is, and I know you're a Brisbane Lions man, is who you honestly think is going to be there when the whips are cracking? It's a hard one because I'd like to say the Lions, but you know what? There's a big part of me just honestly doesn't believe it's ever going to happen for this group. Um, And I'm not a pessimist and I don't live and die with things in sports anymore, as everyone knows. So I just... I've seen a few false dawns with the, with them, uh, and they have been unlucky at times. There's something to me that seems to be something that's not quite there for them to, to make me say, oh, my God, you know, we're definitely all in it this year. Do you know what I mean? I do. It, I, I totally feel that. And I mean, you look at the ladder, and you've got Geelong and Melbourne on top, and uh, then Brisbane, only one game behind a tiny bit of percentage with Fremantle. And um, the team that's really coming up and it's going to cost them big time with percentages is Collingwood. I think they've been the, the standout improvers this season for sure. Well, they have, but they've won a lot of games. I've, I've watched a lot of their football this year uh, because I've had um, my very good friend Rob around our place and um, we've watched a number of their games. And what they've been good at doing is winning um, tight games. And what we know is that, you know, that is a, a recipe sometimes for, Great things, also a recipe for things to come unhinged pretty quickly. Well, um, so I'm not so sure about them. And look, I think there's the, maybe the best thing that there is for for the Lions in our Lions' favour is I think there's a lot of question marks over Geelong. I think they've got similar question marks to the ones over us. Mm. Um, in, although totally different team structures and, 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 and personnel, but I think they've got that same question about oh, can they get over the hump in the in in a GF and. Uh, and I just don't know that Melbourne's all that either. I think, you know, Collingwood are pretty good. This could be a year where a team comes from outside of the top four, but I'm not going to predict that. A, 20, so a 2016 gonna... doggies effort, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. Um, I don't see Fremantle winning away from home in Melbourne. I don't see... Look, let's hope Fremantle don't make the final because it, it'll, it's got that sort of capacity to look a whole lot like that GWS or previous Fremantle grand final. Well... Mate, this week I'd like to, you know... You said That's not about, an answer. I didn't answer anything. Well, you said about the close games, and a great great example, if you said at this time of year a team's on 115%, percentage, you'd say they're doing fairly well. But my team, um, and I've said this for weeks, Richmond, they should never own a dog because they can't hold a lead. Um, I think we've lost five games by a total of 19 points this year. So a total of 19 points in those games. So that's a sign of a team that's ageing and... 
and does know what it's um, what it's all about at the moment. But I want to focus up the top of the ladder, mate, at the moment. Next week, we can have a look at the teams down below. This is the best equipped Geelong team I've seen in years because mm. they've got a couple of young guys down back and a couple of young guys up forward who've reinvigorated the team. So you've got mm. like Tyson Stengel, for example, former Adelaide and former Richmond player at his third club. And it's almost like it's clicked. And he's gone, okay, this is what I need to now be an AFL footballer. And he's looking fantastic. Um, he's an upgrade on uh, Myers, for example. And then no. down back, I mean, that back line of Geelong's, I honestly think at the moment, and I'm not talking about ladder, mate. I really aren't. Geelong, the question marks everyone's asking, I just think they've got the complete team this year. And look, I really think they can do it. I wouldn't be getting uh, my hard-earned cash out to put it on Geelong. And, and you know what? Now that I've rethought about it and all the things that make me feel that way about the Lions, I, I think that maybe we, you know, having another think about it, maybe we can come good. And I'll tell you what I reckon a big difference might be for the Lions. It's going to sound a bit stupid, but I really liked the way that Reese Matheson added to our midfield last week. Now, when we got beat by Essendon, we had a lot of injuries, but there was no nobody out from our midfield. And we got dusted by Essendon, right? Reese Matheson came in last week. Uh, he was tough and hard. He brought it an, an element of dog to the team that I really liked. Does that make sense? It does, but I also think that's a bit it's of a worry. He's got a long way to go to make a difference yeah. between winning the thing. But what he does do is he, is he supplements and improves and a very good midfield that hasn't been able to win a big game. And you've got some injuries at the moment, like a lot of other teams. Melbourne, and, and, and one of the things that you said does always worry me, and it's something that's worrying me a little bit about Melbourne at the moment, is that you can't always just turn it on. Um, and, and that's why I'm thinking Geelong are looking very good this year. If you are talking about teams who can turn it on, I still Geelong think... looking very hot, though, from a long, long way out, the way that, you know, these things go. I think that ideally you'd want to be in the form they're in with about, you know, starting that form not as far out as they've started. I, do you know what I'm I do know, I do. I do. Um, but I think they've built the season. Honestly, I think they may have learnt from some of those things in the past. And mm. they look like they've built throughout the year. Like they look like they're getting fitter now. Um, I do worry. I do worry with Melbourne, the um, Ruckman Jackson. Um, I wonder if that is playing away at the players a little bit. Obviously, the issues with May down back. This is, you know, May is an excellent footballer, but I'm not sure he's a good guy. <laughs> like the stuff he said about teammates and everything, that that could be causing fractures at Melbourne. It, it's hard to ignore that in any workplace. Could be. Yeah. And if Geelong and Melbourne finish one two, they'll play in the grand final because that'll mean that everything's at home, and the teams around them, like the Lions and Fremantle, aren't going to be travelling real well down to see them. Well, Collingwood in fifth have a real chance to finish top four, and they could throw. Any sort of, um, they're going to have a massively ferocious crowd behind them if they get to play a game at the G in the finals. Um, and that's a huge advantage for them. And if Sydney finished fifth, for example, they're going to get the first final at home. Um, so there's a lot of stuff. Oh, it's a really great season. Um, you'd have to say teams like the Dogs and St Kilda have been extremely disappointing. Gold Coast are throwing chances away of playing finals again. The Q clash this weekend, I would expect Brisbane to win. Um, Gold Coast have to win. So that's going to be a darn good Q clash, mate. Uh, the Gold Coast Suns don't worry me as a Lions fan. Sorry. 
No, I totally get that. But, well, congratulations to North Melbourne, it must be said as well. Um, a, a very common misconception. You know, there's like lies in sport, in myths that are actually not built on anything. Yeah. There's a myth in sport and there's numerous studies, guys. I can post them up on the Love Sport group or Twitter account or Facebook. There's a there's massive studies across the world in all sports. People have this thing that when you lose a coach, the next week you win. The statistics Sounds actually... Back the, dead dog, the dead dog bounce, yeah? Yeah, it is. But the statistics actually say it's not true. But Richmond... Well, they the probably the, the statistics would, would have to bear that out, given that most of the times when a coach has moved on, you're on a major struggling run. However, the impression is that it does get a response, I would think, because the, the number of teams that have to actually win in that situation doesn't have to be many for it to make an impact. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it definitely does. But look, I just want to say it's disappointing as it was for me, congratulations to North Melbourne because you're not going to go down in the annals of history as one of the worst clubs. Um, but, you know, good on them. I always worry about that when players get up. And, and the thing that did annoy me besides Richmond losing, right? But I'm just – the thing that annoys me is when players get up for the former coach and then praise them. Like, I find that weird. But you're better off not talking about your former coach. Do you know what I mean? True. Uh, well, there's a tendency at that point to take responsibility on behalf of the coach and say that if we had done this or that, he'd still be here. But if he can't get it out of here, then we're all wasting our time anyway. Yeah, well, look, it's it's what we've spoken about all season. It's one of the most unpredictable seasons I've ever seen. And who knows what's going to happen in the next few weeks. But you're right, it's, it's that ladder positioning um, and percentage really will play a part. And that's where... You've got that advantage. You've got a game advantage basically over Collingwood, really, because it, the percentage is about 20 points lower than yours um, and about 14 lower than Fremantle. So you've realistically got a game on them, um, which is a huge advantage going into the last few weeks. Did Collingwood ever leave Melbourne? <laughs> uh, they like play ever? a lot of games at the G, same as Richmond. What, what you've also got to remember, though, is, is that they're playing a lot of co-tenants as well. So, you know. I understand that, but it's just, uh, look, it's one of those things. I love, I, I love, um, I do love that kind of, Richmond and Collingwood definitely play more games at the G, there's no doubt in the world, but I can tell you over decades, John, it didn't do us any favours, mate. <laughs> no, uh, that's so, very true. It certainly didn't help Fitzroy either. No, absolutely. Look, look, it's all, it's whatever. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I never get too bent out of shape about that stuff unless the AFL changes the rules suddenly on a preliminary final. Well, mate, we I, know I, I, just, I totally agree with you, mate. It, it, it's unfair. But look, only affected one club. It's been so. a great year for the up-and-coming new players and stuff as well. And I don't think we've seen many better first-year players than uh, young Dacos from Collingwood. He, he's been unbelievable. He's but, awesome. What, one thing I love about that Collingwood team, as I've said hmm. a fair bit of them, is I was watching them and for every... Every every week is retro week because it's all it's it's they've got they've got father sons coming out of everywhere, and well, I think that's awesome. Like I, I really love that. So what is, you know you got you know Gavin Browns, you've got Dacos. The, they just need to get a Krasiska or Dave Toomey and a you know and you know someone like that because they've got Peter Moore's son there as well. Yeah, yeah, Darcy Moore and, and and look the doggies do that really well. They've got West and Liberatore and. Darcy now, um, Luke Darcy's <coughs> son, looks like he's going to 
be a really good uh, hybrid. I do like, we, need Akron, we need Akron, Vossi and, uh, and, and Knights Lappin to really get on the job and start pumping down a few more kids. Well, what happens mate, if you're dead? You just have sperm donor father sons. Yeah, I think I think that needs to be the case. I think some I think that is um, uh, going to become under the. I don't know if it's going to come under the soft or hard cap boom tish, but um, oh, that's, really, that's pretty good. Unfortunately, right. at Richmond, mate. Um, I don't mean unfortunately. I mean fortunately for our women's team, um, we've got a lot of father daughters coming through. So um, we're going to have an absolute plethora of uh, ex. Uh, Richmond stars and their and their daughters becoming stars, which is pretty exciting. I kind of like that. That's good. Now, will that reverse round in years to come, where it can be mother and son? I haven't heard that question asked. What if your What if your mum plays a hundred games for Brisbane Lions, or you know, eighty or hundred games for Brisbane Lions? If there can be a father daughter rule, which it's outing, why can't there be a mother son rule? Well, I'm sure that that's going to happen. That's pretty cool. I, I like the idea of it, mate. It makes it a very big family club. Mates, we'll take a quick break. What we'll do is we'll come back, we'll talk some NRL and um, just kind of get on your nerves a little bit with the NRL. Is that okay with you? Fabulous. Thank you. Welcome back. John is just about to cop uh, something he hates from me, and that is me bagging State of Origin. Um, no, I'm not bagging state of origin at all, but look, how often, how often are Queensland, and seriously, how often are Queensland underrated by not only experts, but pundits as well, and punters? Because Queensland playing at home, they've got to be a 10-point better team, do they not? I've never once, and you know this, I've never once tipped against Queensland. It didn't matter what was going on, but I tell you what, I felt good and bad about different times. Generally, you have a, a feeling of trepidation. I, I certainly had one of those coming into this series, and despite everything that we read and heard, we were told quite clearly by guys like Phil Gould that Queensland had an origin side together this year and it was going to be hard to beat. I remember him saying that. Um, my, my, my take on the current scenario is this, uh, is that, we are going through a time frame, you know, where like there's there's, a, there's always a bit of a shift in power, a bit of a movement between the two states. Yep. And right now, it feels like we're right in the sweet spot where New South Wales should be dominating us mercilessly as Queensland has given the talent and the resources that they have, especially at key positions. Yep. And you know, when they've run away with games and won, they scored fifty points and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, in the last four years, Queensland have won two series, and Neron should have won. Another one, you know, after the Bell win by New South Wales about four years ago. Yeah. And and I think that that really is a damning indictment on, on New South Wales' culture because, I, you know, I, I would have thought their coach has really got into that culture side and he seems to really have all that stuff sewn up. But um, we dominated them in two games this year and it completely dominated them and, uh, and then the other one got blown out. So... Work that out. Well, the other thing is, I'll take it. Doesn't, it, like, it doesn't really like matter. It doesn't win. really matter if you get thrashed, is it? There's three games. You've got to win two games. Well, yeah, we all get that. But like, when Queensland is dominant, we win. Yeah. When New South Wales is dominant, Queensland keep on bobbing up and, to quote an old friend of mine, keep on winning a sneaky series here and there. 
Well, mate, one of the best parts of that 22 to 10 victory was um, the post game with Andrew Johns just highlighting what an absolute tool bag he is. I what couldn't a- believe what he was carrying on. Like, I've never. He had to be on the punt. He, he, he had to have had a big bet or something, mate, because no one acts like that. I, but yes, he loves New South Wales. He's a but... paid professional to well, do that job. He's something. Well, I, you know, that you, you'd be flat out getting that response from the coach. And, it, was em- it was embarrassing. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would, okay, tears. But, you know, guys like Paul Vorton and that have had to sit there and eat barrel loads of crap after a game, and it's all part of the deal. Like, um, for him That's not be able to stump, say any word, and then to use an, an obscenity as part of it, you know, on top of the obscenity that was in the lead up to the game put on about Queensland by the, you know, by the TV station that was running it and, yeah. and all the rest of it all. I just thought, the, the we've talked about this before, but the lack standards when it comes to language and that through TV sports coverage and and all that. But Andrew John's dead set. He really deserved, after that performance, to, I'm going to be really honest here, I would never say this. He deserved to lose his job. He deserved to be stood down. It was, look, honestly, you've said it. He wasn't just someone on the cuff for the moment being asked questions. This is, a, you know, someone who's paid as a professional. And, and he um, had to walk over there from off the, uh, he'd been, uh, he had to walk over and join the panel. They should have told him to F off. Yeah. It's the same language that he was using to them. Well, mate, the dream team of uh, the Queensland in the coaching staff, what a performance from that. And what a good team of the coaching staff as well. Completely different coaching a, a, a few games as, as a, you know, people are saying, well, why can't Billy Slater coach a, a team? But coaching throughout the season when you've got to, you know, have the 20-odd games plus potentially finals, all the training sessions, all the media sessions and demands, the sponsor demands, coaching isn't coaching at that level – that's, that's got to be one of the most grueling things you could ever imagine. I do believe, and, and I generally I'm not a say you have to have played a certain sport at a, at a level to be a, a, a really great coach, but I think of Origin, there's a little bit of a necessity requirement that you have to have actually been part of the setup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or I just but, don't think the guys will listen to you. It, it doesn't trend, but, but, but I suppose what I'm trying to say is you can have that success at Origin or, or national level, but that grind of the day-to-day... Um, hour-to-hour um, coaching circle is very, very different, and it's a lot harder to get up for every single morning. It is a grind. It's if you offered me any professional job in world sport to do as a coach, and I love coaching, and you offered me the origin job, the Queensland origin job, or you offered me the Brisbane Lions or, you know, the Queensland Reds or or even, you know, like the Socceroos, I'd take the Queensland origin job, drop the hat. Um... What would I take? You've only got to get ready for three games. You've got yeah, true, an absolute true. army of guys who are going to come in and work for you all the t- like. We were at Mate. we were at um, CBUS last year for the game three, and that was coming coming in mind off a series where Queensland had been absolutely poleaxed, and in game three, uh, all those guys Thurston, um, Cam Smith, uh, Nate, uh, Nathan, what's his name, to Nate Miles. They were all there on the sideline. All those same guys were there, man. Wally, everyone. And they were all in their maroon suits. And they were all still there for this series. It's pretty interesting. There was The only real change was right at the top. I mean, 
And, mate, I love the Fogs, the uh, former Origin greats and, and that organisation as well. They do a really good job of keeping in touch with former players and, and looking after How many after guys are in the Queensland sheds after the game, mate? Oh, exactly. That yeah. was awesome. And, you, oh, who would, and I don't reckon they came – well, they, we all know they didn't come out of there for hours and the guys didn't – and, you know, got to love this. I don't care what anyone says, man. That Queensland jer- jersey jump, whatever, is is an incredible piece of kit. And they went out afterwards and they hadn't had a shower. They still had the jersey on. Yeah, it'd be hard to take off. But when we get back to the uh, the actual NRL itself, look, oh, yeah. we, we were talking about the, the uh, AFL kind of season, but this is one team's to lose. Absolutely one team's to lose. And that's the Penrith Panthers. And what are your thoughts of that? They've got it in them to lose. I mean, the, 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 they're the spine of the New South Wales setup. They've won mm. one premiership in the GF. They've lost the other one. Um, one loss, in, one loss in seventeen, mate, and three hundred and eight points differential. Four games clear on top. It's what I'm what? saying is they have. I totally agree with you. Of course, they've got it in it to lose, but it is theirs to lose this year. Well, yeah, okay, they're on top of the ladder, but they wouldn't be the first team that's been streaking out to to hit the speed wobbles. And um, you know, I, I've. The Cowboys' form this year has been pretty good, and, and if I was them, I'd go in there thinking at any stage, you know what? Well, on a, in a in a fifty-fifty roll of the dice, I wouldn't mind taking my chances on the Cowboys, or actually, to be honest, the Sharks, the Broncos, or the Storm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm and honestly, last year, don't forget, yeah. Parramatta should have won that semi-final, that preliminary final against Penrith as well. I just think that the chasing pack, and, and probably you're right about the Sharks and Cowboys. I think. The chasing pack are just not being consistent enough, mate. And and I think Cowboys are probably the, the great... We're talking about surprise packets. And the Cowboys have been a really pleasant surprise package this year in the NRL. Yeah, they've been they've been fantastic. And, and put back to the Panthers, what they do have is an, is an amazing strength and depth. They've got great players and they've got lots and lots of them. And that's well, what mate, makes them good. But I you never... know what? You're only, one, you're only ever one game away from getting beat, too. Oh, of course. And that's the same as what we're talking about in the AFL. And, I mean, it's the same. We've seen it in American football where teams go almost undefeated. And, and The um, Packers are a classic example, mate. Uh, so were the Pats, mate, many years ago, you know, yep. against the New York Giants. So you're right. You're right in that regard. And that's the great thing about sport. But, look, they're having a fabulous season. Good luck to them. Uh, the Roosters tailing out. Storm now get starting to uh, get injuries after injuries, with Pappenhausen being the latest. Um and Sharks, yeah, they've had a good season as well. They definitely have. Mate, when we come back, we're going to have a uh, a bit of a look at the world game. And you can, uh, I know that you're keen on a jersey I, as well. Can I just say one thing before we wrap up on the NRL? And of course. for all of the fans of jerseys out there, that if, if you didn't enjoy the NRLs, and I hate themed rounds, you know that. And you know how much I had. I'm not even going to talk about that. But the Heritage round, the jersey clashes, the actual old NRL jerseys on the field at once. And there was a, a a high point gathering and it had to be the replay of the St. George um, Broncos Grand Final Lane Park. It was visually yeah. one of the most wonderful sporting events I've watched on TV for years. You're right, mate. And, and we've had our jersey brackets before and I'm still a North Sydney Bears uh, fan for jerseys, mate. I just loved that one for some reason. I think I grew up in the St. Kilda area in Melbourne and the North Sydney Bears chump it as jumps out the me still. 
I, I would love to see them back in the NRL. Sorry about that. I know it'll never happen. All good. There we go. So we'll, we'll come back. We'll get back into uh, the world game. Uh, just for breaking the Love Sport podcast, to let you know you can get us on Love Sport podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can also join our group on Facebook as well. Send an invite through and we'll add you in. You can get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter, John at Lambic Peach, and Pete at Pete Novikowski. This is the Love Sport Podcast. Yeah. We have people quite often in Australia, we want things like the A-League to work, okay? People want the A-League to work. You know that many of us are A-League fans. But the problem being with the A-League, amongst many things, is it's not the best players playing in the competition, all right? If they are good enough, they're going to go and play in Spain, they're going to play in the Premier League, and it's really nice to see those A-League players go and do that. So one of those players played for uh, Central Coast, Aaron Moy, has just signed a... uh, Beautiful little year-to-year deal with Celtic, and that's fantastic that work. Yeah. No, yeah, how good's that? It is good, but it's a bit of a hometown hit by the by the manager, isn't it? Oh, look, no doubt in the world. But I mean, I suppose the thing for someone like Aaron Moy, at times in his career, he people didn't even think he was good enough at A League at some levels, you know. And he's now played Premier League. He's off to the Scottish Premier League. And I suppose what I'm saying is that... He's playing for, let's be realistic, I, I don't care what anyone says, he's playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and look, it's to me, I just love those stories of perseverance. And um, congratulations to him. And I've got to say, he looked pretty good in the jersey as well. So um, a really good story for him. But an even bigger story in my mind is... I'm a, I still play FIFA and I love my FIFA. I, I'm The older I get, obviously the worse I'm getting. I'm, I'm starting to look at buttons and just mash them. But um, Mbappe is on the cover, so you wouldn't argue that, right? But you've seen who's joined him on the cover this year? No. Uh, uh, to borrow a phrase, uh, educate me, please. A young Sam Kerr is on the cover. The first female to ever be on the cover of a FIFA game. And she's sitting go. there... And it's to me, mate. I seriously, it's one of the proudest moments uh, as an Australian football fan. Sam Kerr is on the cover with Mbappe, and I'm buying it just for that reason. So yeah, well, um, that's a fabulous achievement. I don't know how I hadn't seen or read that. Any when did this come out? Uh, the last couple of days, I think. But you know, maybe today even. But to me, that's what. It, I what only just saw Moy today, so maybe it was in the same news dump. But that's yeah. Big I mean. News. Look, in, in all honesty, you could say virtue signalling or anything, right? But she is just outstanding. We all know she's an outstanding footballer. But the fact that she's on the FIFA cover is just out of this world. I mean, if if it was a, if it was a male... I'm serious, I am being serious in this case. If it was a male, she'd be leading the new... She would be leading the sporting news as being on the cover of FIFA. Right? That's true. But I always think with this, and we, we will talk about women's sport a lot, we've got to make sure that we've got... To me, it can't conflate the two as being necessarily the same. Oh, well, mate, this it's is... The same. I, the, 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 I know what you're saying, but I'm actually going to disagree with you for once in this case. It is historic, though. That's the thing. That's what yeah, that's the... Historic. That's good. And that's what the media's angle should be. 
you know, this is the first female in any country. And think about how many great female footballers have been over the years, right? She is the very first female football footballer to be on the cover. Around and cheer that it wasn't Megan Rapino, and God. so it's to know that it's our own Sam Kerr, and it's good to know. Let's be real too that it's an actual female. I'm yep. pleased. Yep, and well, well, congratulations to Sam. She's she's given a lot of us uh, joy with the Matildas and, and and obviously killing it in her club football again as well um, for Chelsea. She's amazing. Um, mate, I had the pleasure. And... I love Sam Kerr. I definitely love her, and I'm really, really pleased for her. She's awesome, and I love the way she plays for Australia. Oh, mate, it, she's got... You could imagine her playing Origin, couldn't you? Because she's got that kind of fire about her, and I absolutely love it. Um Mate, in, in um, local kind of news, we've obviously had games on free-to-air uh, in the last few days with teams like Crystal Palace playing Manchester United, Manchester United playing in front of 92,000 against Melbourne Victory, Brisbane Raw playing Leeds on Sunday, Brisbane Raw playing in Townsville tonight, I believe as we speak or in the next few minutes. Um, but, mate, for me, can I am I allowed to indulge for a minute or two or is that too much? You got the stand, mate. I know what you're gonna. I think it's great for you to let everyone know what's been going on. Yeah, well, anyone who's listened to the show and listens to one of the side podcasts uh, up the villa, the Aussie Villains podcast on on this platform, knows that I'm a massive Villa fan, and I've been overseas and watched them a number of times. But for the first time in a club that is 120 years old, they came to Australia for the very first time, and. I think a lot of people had the expectation, and, and, and me amongst them, that we Villa would not have a successful tour in terms of fan support. We know Leeds are hugely followed. We already know they're one of the biggest followed clubs in the world. But on Sunday, in front of 40,000 people, John, there was about 20,000 each, if not, you know, you could argue either way. Um, but there was 20,000 Villa supporters there. And it was just magical to see those two clubs um, Friends I've been friends with for years or people I've been friends with for years, I met them on Sunday, John. People from WA that I've been friends with, people from New Zealand, people from Melbourne, Sydney, places like that. We all met up on Sunday. Um, The Paddington Hotel had all the Villa supporters and the Caxton and others had um, lead supporters. And it was unbelievable. There was about 700 Villa fans at the Paddo on Sunday, a few days after State of Origin. That's fantastic, and I was really pleased for you guys. And um, look, I've heard arguments from people I know who are Leeds fans and people who are Villa fans. I don't really care what the split was in the stadium. I couldn't care less. Yeah, no, I know. I, was um, just, I suppose what I'm saying and, and John, I is I'm excited. I, for me, I just think it, it was great to see um, two great clubs um, playing here in, at Lane Park and and putting on a, a decent show and everyone having a great time. And, um, you know, for me, that's all there is to it. I... It's funny, one of my takeaways was that I've actually not that... I guess I'd be a bit nervous if my own team turned up and was playing another Premier League team here. Yep. Um, because uh, it brings out some of the best and worst in people you know. And it does. Um, yeah. And that's all I'm going to say with that. And so, you know, and you just, ho- you just hope that, um, you know, everyone takes it for what it is. An awesome opportunity to celebrate the great game here in our, on our own doorstep in a game that didn't really mean anything. Well, mate, it was just lovely to um, 
see so many. I can't talk about the Leeds end because I didn't get involved with anything with Leeds, right? They're not my club. I didn't want to argue with them. I didn't want to be near them. And that's why we organised for Paddington to be right away and have our own kind of feeling as a club. And what was amazing, mate, is that I'm going back to the A-League. When people say that uh, you support a Premier League club, but you don't support the A-League, people, their money their discretion on spending, television, all those kind of things come into play. Mm. Would my kids go and see Aston Villa play? Absolutely. Would my kids go and see Brisbane Raw play now? No. Because it is the quality. And people can argue till the cows come home. Kids are the ones that make us spend our money. And if I'm just a young guy in my 20s, fine. I can do whatever I want. But when you've got kids, you listen to what they want to go to. And they don't want to go to A-League, but they would go to a Premier League. Are they plastic fans? No. They're young kids who've got Netflix and they've got Disney Plus and they've got all this. So if they're saying they want to see something, I think that's what the big football codes and everything should be listening to. They're the future of the sport. I just don't even know how to answer it, man, because, you know, you just can't compete with the money. No. And that's what I'm saying. Like, the A-League has its place. Will it ever be the biggest league in Australia? No. So if it's not going to be the biggest league in Australia, it's not going to get the money. Do I still follow my local club? Yeah. I've said you a hundred times, and we've sat here with whoever's been on the podcast talking about um, soccer in Australia. And I call it soccer. And, you know, people still get on me about that. Yeah, I had that on on Sunday, actually. I, I, I just... You know what? I just honestly don't care when people get bent out of shape about that. I don't care. Everyone knows what we're talking about. And I'm just going to keep saying it. Imagine accusing me of not liking the sport any more than someone else because I use the term soccer because I grew up in Australia. And because we follow multiple codes. And if we're talking yeah, to our mates. Yeah, it's stupid. And, I, and I, don't, yeah. I certainly don't call um, AFL football. And I don't call rugby league football. Or, you know what I mean? I don't care. I call rugby so, um, league rugby league. I call rugby rugby. I'll call um, soccer. I'll call football soccer if I'm around certain people. And I call AFL footy. So, you know, we just do yeah, what we do to differentiate a massive market. My point was going to be this. And, and, and I've said to everyone, says, I, I much preferred the Australian competition when it was the NSL. And I think one of the things that I'm really, really aware of is that is that the NSL was shut down specifically because it was uh, community and identity-based. Yep. Um, uh, now, that's being, you know, in, in, the, in the times we live in, we've got to embrace that as far as the local <laughs> football community goes <laughs> and bring some of that back to the table. It's hilarious because other codes are, are looking at their, um, you know, multicultural rounds and Indigenous rounds and all these things that have made all the different codes what they are, right? And yeah. the history of sport is what so many people who love sport love the history. Because mm. if you just live in the now, it can be pretty disappointing, right? Because I don't like mm. the way AFL's played at the moment, but I love the history of my club and I love the whole how it started from people getting fit, in, you know, in cricket season and basketball came from people getting fit, um, you know, to not get injured for playing football and, and baseball and stuff. Right. I just mm. love that history uh, and the little minutiae of the details. And even what you were saying about soccer, I mean, seriously, I don't even bother educating people that the term actually came from England anyway. 
I mean, that's that's the hilarious part of it all. But anyway, nevertheless, um, local football, grassroots football, uh, is suffering right now, John, like every other code. They're losing referees at a record rate as well because they're getting abused from under, you know, 10 games up to seniors. They're having kids, young referees, who just won't go back now. And so every week I'm seeing on, on sites in Melbourne, I'm seeing sites here and that, they can't get enough referees for games. Oh, well, you reap what you sow, don't you? When you allow, when you, when you allow, and let's be, I'm going to point the finger here at every single code in the country. When you allow um, the, the, hey, and, Let's take out the, the uh, coaches saying stuff, but on-field behaviour yeah. uh, towards decisions. But also when you allow your, all your press coverage to be based around slagging off the performance of referees and, you know, to just like – no one can ever seem to accept the fact that they lost. And, you yeah. know, there was, there was a, a, a big amount of refereeing blowback out of the game on that you went to with Lane Park, and I'm like, do you know what? Like, seriously, what are you going to do? Go around to his place and blow it up? It's like yeah. it, that, that's what it sounds like. And you go, well, why would anyone take up that job? Well, absolutely, mate. And there's a saying that I have, uh, my dad has, and you know, a lot of people no referee, no game. And, and you know, I, I was coaching basketball last week, and a referee decided to put a rule in that we haven't used all year. And and I, I questioned him on it. And he said, I just really need the girls to move out of the key. And, I, and I've told them that we're going to, I'm giving them a cu- couple of extra seconds. And I just said, well, <coughs> on, mate. Well, good on you. Thank you for explaining mm-hmm. that to us at halftime. Would have been good beforehand, but it was a respectful exchange. Right. And I could have gone off. You know, my girls lost in a close game because of a couple of decisions, but it's just sport. And what am I teaching young girls if their coach can't control themselves with a referee? There was a discussion after the after the Wallabies England game too, and it was about the knockdown rule. Now, yeah. everyone, because the Wallabies lost, the whole Australian approach to that was, "Oh, it's bloody ridiculous! We're stupid rule and a knee jerk reaction." But, but if you actually take a step back from it, at every level of rugby, you're coached to know that if you don't take that intercept, you're off. Yep. So how come it suddenly changed just because it was the Wallabies or it was this that now? wanting to change rules and stuff like that. I'll tell you what my biggest problem is um, when it comes to refereeing. I think one of the biggest issues for all referees is that there's this drive that they should be perfect all the time. And it's made worse by the fact that every game is dominated by video refereeing judgments. And I can tell you the absolute worst of it is in, is in rugby union. The T the TMO honestly is the most annoying thing that's ever happened. That's there's two things People say, what would you change? Robert? Would you change the fucking scrum? I'll tell you what I'd do. First thing is I'd jam the ridiculous over and over advantage rule that's around and just yeah. play penalties. And if there's three penalties in a row, send a guy off. Yep. All right, Because you never know the arbitrary line. Sometimes advantage goes on for 55 minutes and they go back and you, you don't know what it was for. And then they stop the game and the TMO gets involved about what happened before that, and then they go back and they send someone off, they reverse the penalty, and you go, what? It's like, don't confuse everything. You know as well as I do that when you go to a park game or you're coaching a game yourself or you're there at your tournaments or whatever, when a game's happening, you don't really have that much time to second-guess the referee's decision. No. Okay? 
And so there's not all that time set around nail gathering, just criticizing. It doesn't go upstairs and nobody's looking at it and then sending it down to tell them they were wrong uh, or, or themselves coming up with a decision in slow motion that no one can actually work out. I think that's the biggest issue. Mate, is there all a the sport? Big sports. And the VAR's a, a joke too. Is there a sport where... I'm thinking of one now where I think they're starting to get it right. Is there a sport you believe the video replay is doing a good yes, job? Yes, I actually think, and this is going to sound stupid, but I think in cricket, I actually think they've got it right, especially with the LBW decision, which is if the umpire gives it out. Yep. There's a degree of um, error that's allowed, and it's, it can be just basically clipping an infinitesimally small amount of any part of the stumps or the requirements to be a, a decision given. And if it's given not out, then they defer to a halfway. And you know what? What it does is it generally most of the time validates the umpire's decision. Oh, They've got to make agree. the call. They've got to actually make the call before it goes upstairs. Yep. And I like that. Um, and there's no argument with the LB decision. It's either it's out or it's not. And it's oh. out with slightly different parameters based on whether it was given or whether it wasn't. Well, mate, I agree with that. I think cricket's doing a fantastic job of it. I think there is another sport that's doing it really well, and I think they've 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 had hiccups early on, but they're starting to get it really right because we know what they're looking at, and the commentators explain it really well. And I think the NFL is actually doing really well with their uh, video replays because oh, they've had some problems though. They have, but for such a difficult sport, I think they're doing a pretty good job. Well, I, I, you know what, then, but I, I would actually argue that, and I agree with um, some of the older heads in the NFL, is that there's, I, I think that there's stuff that needs to be taken out of the, out of those decision yeah. makings of some real technical stuff. And I and I can tell you, like, I mean, in rugby, is such a technical sport, especially in tight, that I think if the referee's going to make a call, just go with it. You know, yeah. like, just honestly, yeah. just go with it rather than trying to work it. it and. Yeah, and AFL, man, I, you know, like, you know, they're going to start to get more and more involved. But when they're looking for fingernails slipping backwards and forwards, it's oh like, my come, god, come on, just I know, I can't, I can't even, mate, I can't even. Maybe we're going to come back and uh, we'll talk about whatever you want. But we might be, um, there may be another Cameron Smith, more famous than another Cameron Smith. Final nine holes. What a memorable, memorable win for Cameron Smith in the British Open uh, a few days ago. Final I, think after, I think after listening to you talking about uh, our old friend um, at the at the Wimbledon and the sort of persona that he trots out for people and then seeing Cameron Smith get up and win, it was just chalk and cheese. Oh, mate, I've been listening to a lot happier. of... Been listening to a lot of American podcasts this week, and they were all disappointed that the American didn't win. But every one of them had a, a a really light voice when they talked about Cam Smith, and you could tell they were smiling as they were talking about him because they were like, "Not only did he have one of the greatest final nine holes, the twenty under is the greatest um, score uh, in the or, you know the best score ever in the British Open as well," yeah. and. Talking about what he's going to do with the jug afterwards, you know, he's going to see how many cans he can fit in there or how many. And and we found out how many. Two. It is two. And he said almost perfectly it fits two. So he must have tried out a, uh, tried it out a few times. And it was just. Well, in, in, in the UK, they'd be, they'd be 500 mil cans. So it must be holding a litre. Well, 
to see him actually uh, down it, down the leader. There was a little bit of spillage. We can get technical there. But, geez, he must have um, enjoyed a few of those. He looked a bit uh, croaky the last couple of days. To actually have a golfer to get to the level that Cam Smith is at from Australia and to have him be completely unaffected by yep. the successes. And Cam Smith's success has been coming for a while now. Yep. He, he didn't just turn up yesterday. He's been... He's been on the the fringe of all the every tournament that he's been playing in. He's been he's been highly regarded going into majors and and all kinds of stuff. And he's been well placed. And to actually just see a guy like him that just seems like he's just could still just hang out at you know I don't know down at your kid's basketball game and 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 just be like himself. You could honestly see him at the um, Palm Beach Corumbin RSL or, or the Surf yeah. Life Saving Club. At a punters club. Punters, and, and having a, you know, just having a beer with you. And um, I think yeah. that's I think that's what's really come through. It's authentic. Um, he apparently was um, super excited about the rugby league, obviously being a big uh, Queenslander as well. He loves the Maroons, man. Uh, Absolutely. And he's, he's, made no, he's made no bones about that. And good on him. And I think that's what keeps you grounded. And, and that's what's great about a lot of, um, especially Aussie golfers, they seem to have other interests. And, and I was talking about that to my old man, that golf golfers seem to be people who follow a number of other sports. And it kind of keeps them a bit of perspective, I think, uh, as opposed to some of the other players from around well, the world. Well, to some, but if you look at our wildly successful golfers over a period of time, they probably have, their, their interests seem to have been more about making money and getting an American accent than, Australian stuff. Well, Cam Smith, um, forget the live tour. That was a pretty poor question. You knew a, a, a journalist was going to have to ask that to be, but to ask the first question um, of a Open champion who's done one of the greatest four days ever, if not arguably, um, to ask him about the live tour that was pretty piss weak to be the first question off the bat. I've lost so much respect for sports journalism and media over the last couple of years. I never thought I would, um, but like honestly, it's stuff like that. It's just embarrassing, and um, the moment, the time, the, the sense of moment, the, the the ability to understand when something needs to be said and when it doesn't. Uh, that was just that was just a nothing. Thing. And you know what? I don't care if he joins the live tour to be honest, because I actually just don't care. Well, mate, it was. Um, it, I think what really got people was the fact that that was the first question. Um, now, mate, just to let you know, you probably heard this this afternoon. I do have to go back to something. I've been really remiss. First of all, congratulations, Cam Smith. You made so many Australians and people around the world smile. I truthfully hope you stay true to yourself because you are an absolute credit to just normality. Uh, and I, I just, I love your guts, mate. Well done. Um, mate, Chris Fagan preparing to hand over the job to Alistair Clarkson. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, no, I, I, I have a job and I haven't a... seen what's going on today. Are you serious? No, mate, look, I had, a num- I had a number of things pop up and, and everything I'm reading, mate, is that, um, it looks like, um, uh, Chris Fagan. They're tight, have... aren't they? They are really tight. I just find that bizarre because the Brisbane Lions are on the cusp of absolute success and, He's done wonderful things, and I, I don't when, know. What, what, what's the time frame? I, I, I haven't read into it. I just thought you might know a little bit more. I just saw it popping up nonstop this afternoon. No, I um, haven't heard anything. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope it's wrong, but it's, it's well, yeah, maybe you need to cut this out of our podcast. No, as no we I'm don't gonna, sound lame as, but um, no, I don't gonna know. Keep, I'm going to keep it in because it's coming from you know. I mean, you were talking about journalists, and that's what piqued my mind. It's coming from some of the biggest journalists going round. Um, I could see it. I, I mean, I love Chris Fagan. I, I love everything he's done, but I, I could see it in terms of at the end of the year, but. I still as hope that they don't do anything before then. Oh, they won't do it before that. They won't do it before then. Um, but yeah, here we but go. But I don't mate. think Fagan needs to go anywhere. I mean, I think he's done an amazing job with our club. So I, I can only imagine it's being done with him doing one of those things where he moves into some director of football job or something. Yeah, yeah. And that maybe but, he wanted it. Dominant father, son. I mean, it's, son, it's no. only early news on it and everything. It came out a couple hours ago, but I haven't had a chance to catch up on it. But um, it is getting around the traps, mate. So uh, who knows? Who knows? But anyway. Um, it's, it's, no, I, there's nothing coming up on my news feed at, at home. Okay. I'm, okay. Well, we might have cracked it early, and that's okay. It's staying in the pod, mate. It's staying in the I pod. Because I figured it'd be silly, but regardless of that, Mate, anything... Um, well, I think it, one of the things about that is... No, I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off like no. I've done a few times tonight. But one of the things about that is sometimes you can second-guess yourself and outsmart yourself by half when you've got a good thing going. Yep. Um, and are I've you, seen, talking, about, are I've you seen, talking about relationships or sport? Both. Yeah. Um, but in sport, I mean, you know, when the... I remember when um, Newcastle United, um, you know, finished third, third and fifth under the club legend Bobby Robson, sacked him, and we never got back anywhere near where we were at. Yeah. Um, and you know, look at uh, and who was um, oh, wasn't it um, Mick Malthouse and and Nathan Buckley? That that was a disaster. Yeah. You know, um, you're right. I, I wouldn't have no doubt that Collingwood win more grand finals if Mick Malthouse stays as coach at Collingwood that stage. Well, yeah. Look, I, I just, I just thought you might know about it, mate. So I wasn't Sorry, trying to man, throw I'm you out. Not trying to throw you in. Uh, one final thing on the cricket world, mate. Um, Stokesy um, giving up on the the fifty over format. It, it kind of a it shows where he's at, but but it really shows where the fifty over game's seen um, by people at the moment. Because um, I think Stokes is amazing, but it's a heavy toll, isn't it, to play twenty twenty. 50 overs and test cricket if you want to do it at the top level. One thing about Stokes, he's not been very durable when it comes to staying fit. Now, he's yeah. a great cricketer in all formats. I think he can see there's not... It wouldn't surprise me if he says he retires from 50 over cricket but plays in the World Cup. How's that sound? Mate, look, he's just one of those players. You, you, As an Aussie, you hate him when he plays you, but you respect him. And, and you want players with that personality and that overall skill. So, um, Well, I want anybody that... who hasn't read it to go and read my article. That if you didn't see any of the cricket, uh, the test cricket coming out of England over the summer, and you like test cricket, you're kidding yep. yourself because that was some of the best test cricket, most fearless, playing genuine lack of fear and trusting your own ability. And England did all that. And that's a warning shot to every other cricket nation in the world. Yeah, look, I'm going to say this. I'm not too stressed out about England. I like seeing England go well. I, I, it just doesn't. Do it, do it. Come come here and do it, and then I'll give you credit. I'm not going to give any credit until you actually do it here, mate. And um, it's good. It's good for the game that we have that. Well, band. you know, they can only beat the current world champion and the team that everyone thinks is the best team in the world. 
yeah, just come back here, mate. Come on, give it, give it a pass. You actually, they'll be back. Bit. I tell you what, when they do come back, they'll come back a whole lot better than the Olympic performance they dragged out at their last time, which was an absolute embarrassment. I was at that <laughs> Ashes series, and it was, you know, as an England cricket, that was the worst. I've never, I've rarely have ever abused my own team as much as I did throughout that series. And I'm <laughs> I, lucky that I've still got a TV because I wanted to smash it. That's changed. Well, mate, I can tell you now, um, there could be some um, just underway in the uh, uh, Queensland Champions Cup with um, the two my two teams playing each other is Villa and, and the Brisbane Roar. And there could be something into this, mate. Emmy Martinez is captain. John McGinn is vice-captain, and uh, Ming's not wearing the captain's armband. Well, have they started running around chasing McGinn around the outside of the field yet, like they promised? Yeah, they probably will. But one thing I also want to say that, mate, and please, I don't get this about England, right? Two players were booed over the last few days, and it might not be English people anyway. Harry Maguire was booed by Manchester United fans, right? And Tyrone Mings was booed by Leeds fans singing out how crap he is, but he plays for England. I just find this whole booing a player when they haven't done anything wrong, I find it really weird. These guys are in Australia, though. Yeah, but even overseas, when you hear Mings get booed by England fans, I just he hasn't done anything to anyone, has yeah, he? Yeah, but wasn't it Manchester United fans who were booing Yeah, um, Manchester United Maguire? fans were booing Maguire, and I find that bizarre. And they've been doing it over in England. He's, oh, good he luck to him. You know what? Uh, it, uh, the, Manchester United, it's if they hate Harry Maguire that much, um, someone will take him off his hands and he'll probably be happy for it. Exactly right. Well, mate, we've missed Pete tonight. His football analysis, uh, he would have come out with a whole heap of transfer news for us, so we hope to get him back on next week. Um, he's one of the hardest working people we know. Anything final on the pod tonight, mate? Well, I had a bit of a moment today. I actually threw it to my grade nine class, my grade nine history class, which are, you know, they're, they're good, they're nice, and they don't know much about football. <laughs> God, I said football. Um, soccer. Soccer. And um, I, I, I found myself a bit of a quandary because my birthday's coming up, and my wife said, like uh, Louise said, go ahead and buy what you want, order online, and get it. I said, okay, I'll, I'll get it. I was going to get a the new Newcastle shirt from the from the website, and I went there. They didn't, you know, they're kind of sold out. Of the new run. Yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me, I'm coming off COVID. And I thought, oh, I'll go and look at where else I can get one. And wouldn't you believe it, the best price was Sports Direct. And, oh, no. And, you know, not only that, Sports Direct then sent me this message. And I know that they're trolling Newcastle fans. They offered me the current New Jersey with any player I wanted. And so I was just tapping away and said, oh, okay, Joe Linton, I want to see that. You know, and that's what I wanted. And the club hasn't done numbered jerseys for a while. Yeah. And um, and the name and number, and I thought, oh, yeah, well, what's that come out? And they sent me it back, and they said, man, we'll give you a 50% discount and free shipping. I'm like, wow. oh, my God. And I'm looking at this going, oh, I'm just and – and I'm looking, I'm going, do I get it, do I not? Because I, I never bought a jersey from Sports Direct or the club the whole time Mike Ashley was in charge, right? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't. I asked the club, I said, can I do it? Can I do it? I felt like I was dancing with the devil. I didn't do it. I like, wouldn't mind throwing that out to our fans. Our fans, for God's sake. Anybody who's lucky enough to be listening to us and say, should John buy that jersey or not? It's like, I just feel like I, I don't know what I'd do. Well, 
mate, you should have been with me on Sunday because it's a Joe Linton one, man. And it's you got to do it. Do it. Uh, no, I don't want to get it from Mike Ashley. I understand, but mate, uh, I tell you what, we will put that up as a poll in a couple of spots on uh, Sunday. What did I get? I had someone next to me laughing because I went, "I'm going to get a scarf, two hats, jersey, training jersey, t-shirt, hoodie." I, I actually got all of that in one go, just because I didn't want to have to wait for it coming overseas. But wow. um, oh, and one oh how was the merch? Was the merch available? Good. Oh, it's fantastic. No, literally, I thought it was going to be awful. It is really good stuff. I'm really surprised at the quality. It was really good. Very happy. And who's making your kit now? Aka Story. Oh, that's it. I love their stuff, man. Yeah, I'm I didn't so think, pleased that they're I making it. They yeah, it's good. I even I haven't even unwrapped a couple bits of it yet. But, but anyway, mate, um, it's been another great podcast. I will let people know um, if you're not a Villa fan, don't listen to our next one because coming up on Sunday we're doing a um. Up the Villa Aussie podcast. We've got a gentleman from Perth, Mark Holmes. Got a gentleman from Melbourne, Rhino. We've got another gentleman, Tez, who's just moved to Brisbane. So it's going to be all different voices, different accents. We've got an Irishman, two Englishmen, and an Aussie. So Up the Villa podcast should be out Sunday night. And Love Sport podcast will be back next week. And uh, I'm not going to listen to that either. Is that all right? Oh, of course, mate. Totally. Well, that's another wrap on a Love Sport podcast. It was Paul and John tonight. Pete is working, as we said. Get us on the Love Sport podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Also, our Facebook group. Send an invite through and we'll get you in there. You can get me at Paul underscore football, John at Lambic Peach, and Pete at Pete Novikowski on Twitter. This is, was, and always will be the Love Sport podcast.